0: Welcome to In Conversation, the regular podcast of Encompass. Go to encompass-europe.com for free access to all our podcasts to date. This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Jacob Poster. Jacob Poster is Associate Director, Global Attitudes, at the Pew Research Center based in Washington, D.C., Jacob, you've been involved in a pretty major research uh, public opinion survey recently under the broad theme of European public opinion three decades after the fall of communism. Can you tell me a bit about the reason behind this survey and and your methodology? Just kick off the discussion.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, We did a foundational survey in 1991 asking people's attitudes uh, after the fall of communism what they thought about their lives. Um, And in 2009 and 2019, we decided to repeat aspects of that survey. And so we went back to countries in the former Eastern Bloc, Russia, Ukraine, um, in addition to Western European countries to see how attitudes had changed since 1991 and how they now regard the changeover from uh, communism to democracy.
0: And how big was your sample and which were surveyed?
1: Uh, there was uh, 16 countries across Europe, um, located across Western Europe, so the UK, Germany, uh, U- EU Italy, member states. EU member states. But additionally, we also surveyed in, in uh, Lithuania, Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh, Russia, Ukraine, uh, Poland, you know, states that were on both sides of the Iron Curtain to sort of figure out how attitudes had shifted in both states since that time.
0: And I'm not an expert in public opinion surveys, but in order to make the findings comparable, uh, were you keen and constrained to make sure that the questions posed this time around were almost identical to the previous times?
1: For the questions that we repeated since 1991, yes, they are identical. They're identically translated. They were administered in the same way. Uh, most of the Eastern European countries were face-to-face interviews. Um, And I think overall it was about 16,000 people who we surveyed in these various countries in the fall of uh, 2019.
0: I mean, it's a big survey, clearly, and lots of findings uh, and lots of data out there, but... We can't go through every single thing, obviously, in detail in the, in the time span of this podcast, but can you give me some highlights? What were the most, for you, interesting and even surprising results of this uh, this survey?
1: Sure. Well, the, the, the head finding is that people are still pretty positive on the changeover to um, democracy and to a capitalist economy. When we ask people whether this had been a good thing for their country, uh, most people in the Central and Eastern European countries that we surveyed say that yes, the changeover had been good and that, and that they appreciate their movement to a market economy. Um, and we also found that This positivity towards the changeover existed both in 1991, 2009, and 2019. So there's still a lot of positive aspects of the changeover, and a lot of that is because people think that they're just doing better, that their standard of living is better, that it's improved uh, since 1991, and that their overall life satisfaction is in.
0: In the write-up of the survey, you say that, uh, and I quote, even though most broadly embrace democracy, the intensity of people's commitment to specific democratic principles is not always strong. What does that mean in practice, and which countries in particular subscribe to that kind of feeling?
1: Well, we asked questions about democratic rights and institutions. So when you ask uh, questions about whether they uh, think that free speech or free media or free elections are very important, most people said that they were, but there were degrees to that. Those in Western and Northern Europe tended to be more likely to say that those aspects of democracy are very important compared to some of the... uh, Eastern European countries, especially places like uh, Russia and Ukraine, where there is not as much support for those democratic rights and principles.
0: So the further, in effect, the further east you go, the less uh, obsessed, if you like, people are about democratic principles.
1: To some extent, yes. I mean, actually, those in, those in Hungary were actually pretty keen on a lot of democratic rights when we asked the people in Hungary about that. But yes, a lot of the Central and Eastern European nations didn't put as much emphasis on those specific democratic rights as those did in Western Europe.
0: So are other basic divides in terms of the European continent based on geography east to west or is it based on, on generation young and old or what, are there are there clear dividing lines on on key issues
1: Um yeah there's actually a dividing line on both geography and age So in terms of geography uh those in the uh west are are a little more positive on um you know various uh Minority aspects, so, you know, views of Muslims, they're more positive in the West, Uh, acceptance of homosexuality, those things are very clear in the Western European nations compared to the Central and Eastern European nations. On the other hand, those in the East are actually a little more positive about the future for their children. They're more likely to say that children would be better off in the future, and that's something we've seen in many of the countries we surveyed. In terms of an age divide, um, there's a lot more positivity towards the changeover among younger generations. And in addition, uh, younger generations are also more positive on the EU in general. When we ask them whether they have a favorable view of the European Union, uh, in many countries, those... Those in the younger generation, which we define as 18 to 34, are more positive on the European Union as an institution.
0: So, again, the write-up says Europeans tend to believe in the ideals of the EU in broad terms, East and West, younger and older, uh, but they have complaints about how it functions. What what kind of complaints are these?
1: Well, a a lot of that part of the survey comes from previous work that we did where we found that there's there's a lot of um, worries about how the EU handles economic issues, how it handled Brexit, how it handles the refugee issues. So when right. it comes to the specific issues that we ask about, there's a little more pessimism about it. But when we ask about fundamental aspects of it, do you have a favorable view of the European Union? Do you think the European Union has strengthened our economy? And do you do you think that um, you know the the EU functions? There's there's a little more positivity. I will also say there's. There's, there's a sense that elected officials don't listen to people, and that's true across most of the countries in which we survey, and that includes EU officials. So
0: EU officials and both EU officials and politicians and, and national politicians get a relatively poor rating, is that correct?
1: Yeah, when we ask them about whether, they, whether those people listen to the needs of ordinary people, we get pretty negative ratings in most of the countries that we survey.
0: So why do you think the um the younger generation is generally more bullish and and, and positive about the future is this naive optimism or what?
1: Uh it's, it's really hard to say why why the young people are different in, in that way. Um you know we 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 don't Ask a lot of questions as to you know why why a certain generation thinks the way we do. We just know that their opinions are different. They tend to be more internationalist in orientation. They're more favorable towards other countries, including Russia and the United States. And so we see that throughout our, our work um, when we're looking at the divides between young and old.
0: Well, let's go maybe press a bit more about this issue about democracy and people's commitment to democracy. You say that while democracy is a popular idea around the world, the Intensity of people's commitment to it is not always strong. And and quoting, for instance, representative democracy is widely embraced, but significant shares of the public in many nations are open to non-democratic forms of government as well. What are these non-democratic forms of government that seem to be so popular?
1: Right. So we asked uh, a couple of years back in views towards uh, five political systems. We asked about representative democracy, direct democracy, a technocracy, um, a military uh, junta and rule by a single leader Um, and when we when we asked people in that survey we did find that people generally support representative democracy it's usually the uh, system of government that they approve of most But there were significant minorities who said that they uh, would support a a government that was not a representative democracy, that was not a direct democracy, that was either ruled by one leader or ruled by a military. And these were global findings. This this wasn't just, uh, you know, in Europe itself it was around the world so the commitment didn't matter by country you know when you look at northern europeans they're much more committed to democracy they're much more satisfied with democracy than those in the south and east of europe and the, and compared to some other places around the world
0: and do, that, do those findings also, this lack of maybe commitment, maybe it's too strong a word, but uh, appeal of a democratic principle, does that also in the east of Europe uh, also apply to, to the young generation or are they much more open to and keen on, on real democracy?
1: Um, it, it didn't. There wasn't much of an age gap in terms of those uh, systems of government. Um, I will say that the, 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 the aspects that affect how people view democracy most Mm -hmm. are whether a their party is in power so if the party they support tends to be in power they're more supportive of democracy overall or if the economy is doing well If, if they say that the economy is doing well if they say the economy is doing well they tend to be more satisfied with democracy so those two aspects are really the sort of more uh you know Driving force in terms of overall views of democracy in these countries.
0: Well, I know as a as a poster, as as a as a researcher, you're supposed to stay well, you are staying neutral on on the findings uh, produced by this survey. But on this issue of democracy in particular, because it obviously uh, strikes me as interesting and quite surprising finding, did it surprise you?
1: Well, I mean, from from our past research, I would say it's it's not too surprising in that. When we ask about democracy in general, satisfaction with democracy, there's a range of of answers. But when it comes to the typical fundamental rights that that people think about is associated with democracy, you know, free speech, free elections, freedom of the media, in some countries freedom of religion, uh, people really do support those various aspects, those individual rights. You know, regardless of whether they actually say that they're satisfied with democracy or if they're willing to... Open to non-democratic alternatives. Those those fundamental rights tend to get a lot of support from people, not just in Europe but around the world. So you know, it, it's sort of the idea, the ideas of democracy, the 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 aspects of it that people like, not necessarily always how how it's implemented.
0: Okay. Well, let's let's start wrapping this up then, Jacob. Since we're recording this uh, in the heart of the European Union, Brussels, uh, let me ask you. Uh, a bit more about the findings with respect to uh, member states of the European itso- Union itself, in particular some of the so-called founding fathers. I, in your survey, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're, you're, you you show that uh, in countries such as France and Italy, who were there at the very beginning, uh, there's less and less support for the European Union. Is that correct?
1: Um, well. It does fluctuate over time in terms of views of the EU. In fact, we've actually seen a bit of a rebound in the past couple of years post-Brexit, a little more positive views of the EU in many of the states that we surveyed. And
0: and is that a a reaction to Brexit or independent of Brexit? uh,
1: We think it's it's tied into Brexit and the end of the refugee sort of crisis. Those two aspects in the 2015, well... There was the euro crisis, of yeah, course, and then... Yeah. And then the uh, migration crisis. The migration crisis, and then Brexit. And those all really had an effect of bringing down ratings for the European Union overall. So we have seen actually a bit of a rebound since then. But still, yeah, France is is a country where... You know, only about half say they have a favorable view of the EU um, and less than half say that the integration of Europe has strengthened their economy. So France is does tend to stick out as one of the more doubting uh, countries that was within our survey. Another one is the Czech Republic um, in, in terms of sort of you know, a little less positivity towards the EU.
0: So a final, final question then, Jacob. What are you going to do with all this, uh, all this data? Obviously, you're going around uh, Europe and the rest of the world, making presentations and talking to people like me. But uh, are you? Uh, is your audience as well, um, even though they have, may not be officially your clients? Are they? Are they national governments? Are the EU institutions in this case? Are these people? That, do you think, at least at the very least, your survey results? should be on their on their radar.
1: Yes. I mean, we like to make people aware of the data. We like to, you know, be the voice of the people because often they're the ones who, you know, their opinions might necessarily not be taken into account in all in all areas of public policy. So we go to policymakers, we go to educators, uh, we go to governments around the world and, you know, share our data with them. We, we collect our data in a very neutral, hmm. non-advocacy, non-partisan way. And we just want people to, you know, understand what people think in the world about these various issues—it's not confined to views of democracy—but we think uh, that is an important uh, issue in the world today, and we want we want that voice, that that you know, the sense of the people to be you know taking it into account when people are making policy uh, that might affect those people's lives. And you know, we, we we endeavor to ask the questions over time, and we like to see what happens. There are sometimes. Yep. Pretty the, trend, big changes. Trends, right. we, we, the trends are an important aspect of what we do. When we repeat the s- same question over and over again, we can see changes over time. And that helps us sort of you know, bring the conversation to the present while also looking at the past.
0: Okay. Well, we have to leave it there. Jacob Poster, thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you very much.